0: Our scripture lesson for this Sunday is 1 John, the first letter of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. I want to continue this day a series of sermons based on the Apostles' Creed. We've been working with these for several weeks now, and I hope you've been following along as you can I know that this is a holiday weekend, Independence Day weekend, and of course we, in our prayers and in our music, we give thanks for this nation. And we pray God's guidance, especially at this time in our life together, as we we pray and struggle to continue to find a way forward. But for today, I want us to continue with this series from the Apostles' Creed. We've talked about belief in God, the Father Almighty. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Last week we talked about I believe in the church. And today our topic, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I want to base my remarks today on the forgiveness of sins. On the passage that was just read from 1 John. Or as some folks say, one of the little Johns. Not the Gospel of John, but there are three Epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John from 1st John. And I think of this as a very iffy passage of scripture. Now don't get too upset and maybe that's not as heretical as it first sounds. But every verse in the passage with the exception of verse 5 begins with the word if. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship. Verse 7, if we walk in the light. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins. And verse 10, if we say we have not sinned. Many, many, many ifs there. Our basic text, though, will come from verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The great truth of the gospel, I believe, is that while we are required to acknowledge, to confess our sins, we are not required to bear them, to hold them up on our own. And peace of mind and peace of heart is possible only when we turn to God, only when we confess our sin. And by so doing, enable God to forgive us to restore us, to free us from our sins. So many folks have such a flippant attitude toward the reality of sin, and I'm thinking of sin as that broken condition between ourselves and God. Not so much individual sins or small sins as some would say, and some of them are not small at all, but that whole attitude of being broken and being separated from God and against that kind of attitude the gospel declares simply that we are to confess to own up to what's going on in our lives to examine our own hearts that God is faithful means that God's character is unchanging and self-consistent the unalterable structure of the universe is of justice and forgiveness God never acts in contradiction of God's self. And in all experiences, we may depend on God unalterably to be just and forgiving toward us. Because God is faithful. God can thus be an object of our faith. John says, or the writer of this first epistle of John says, that we can depend on God in God's righteousness to forgive us if we confess our sins. On the surface, we might be more likely to think that God and God's righteousness would condemn us and not forgive us because we've gone astray. But the point is that because God is righteous, God never forsakes his word. And scripture reminds us and is full of the promise of mercy to those who come to God with a penitent heart. If we humbly and sorrowfully confess our sins, he will forgive when we make all kinds of excuses, when we rationalize our behavior and not own up to our sin and our brokenness, then uh, then we're in a difficult spot. Humble confession, easy to say, difficult to do, opens the door to forgiveness. And when our hearts are penitent and sorrowful, we can claim the promises of God. In the seventh chapter of his gospel, Luke tells us about Jesus going home with one of the Pharisees, going home to eat with one of the Pharisees, one of the religious superstars, so to speak. And a woman of the city, a sinner, entered the house, and she began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Simon the Pharisee, Jesus' host, confronted Jesus about this kind of thing. It was making him uncomfortable. And Jesus went to bat for the anonymous woman. Finally saying to her, your sins are forgiven. And a ripple of belief throughout all the other dinner guests. And they start asking, who is this who even forgives sins? Who does he think he is? She wasn't forgiven because she loved. She loved because she was forgiven. If we come to God the Father through Jesus the Son and humble confession we can hear him say to us also, your sins are forgiven. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Do we? Then why are our shoulders stooped and our knees wobbly from toting a load of of shame and guilt and sin from yesterday's mistakes? I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Do we? Then why do our arms get painfully sore from throwing rocks, from casting stones at those who happen to be called in sinful behavior. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, do we? Then why are we always stumbling and falling because of those heavy grudges that we bear? Jesus was asked the question, how many times Should we forgive those who sin against us? Seven. And he said not seven, but 70 times seven. And by that he meant not 490 times, but endlessly. Endless mercy toward one another because that's the way God has chosen to deal with us. This is a story about Abraham Lincoln. I assume it's a true story. If not, I know it's a truth story. After the death of Abraham Lincoln, Mrs. Lincoln asked John F. Parker, the deceased president's bodyguard, why were you not at the door to keep the assassin out? Parker lowered his head and said, I have bitterly repented it. I did not believe that anyone would want to kill so good a man. The belief made me careless. I became so interested in the play that I failed to see the assassin enter the presidential box. You should have seen him. You had no right to be careless, and Mrs. Lincoln weeped uncontrollably. Recovering her composure, she said to Parker, Go now. It's not you that I can't forgive. It's the assassin. Tad Lincoln who had overheard his mother, said if Pa had lived, he would have forgiven the man who shot him. Paul forgave everybody. The implications of believing in sin are far-reaching. Believing in the forgiveness of sins are far-reaching. They run deep. But apart from a belief in the forgiveness of sins, this Christian life we're called to live is impossible. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. One of my favorite pastors across the years the last few decades has been Dr. John Ed Matheson, who served the well-known Frazier Memorial United Methodist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. He's retired now, but he he blogs and he writes and he's still very active. And in a blog that he wrote, and I kept this, I printed it out and kept it about a month or two before I moved to Newton when we were up to our eyeballs in boxes. And you know how that is. It's a difficult time, but I kept this. He was writing about our forgiveness quotient. And let me share a few of his thoughts now. He said, forgiving other people is the fundamental value at the core of our Christian faith. And it's one of the toughest values. When Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, the only part on which he commented was the forgiveness of sins. He said, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. And then he gave three or four examples of forgiveness that just hard to uh, hard to imagine that it can really be practiced like this. That folks take it this seriously, and do we take it this way? You might remember it was on the news cycle for a while. Palm Sunday, twenty seventeen. Forty four Coptic Christians were murdered, and one hundred were seriously injured in some bombings, terrorist bombings in Egypt. An Egyptian guard died protecting. Coptic Orthodox leader to Wadros II the widow of the guard said to her husband's killers I forgive you and I ask God to forgive you several family members who had lost loved ones in the bombing were worshiping at the Coptic Orthodox Church of Saint. Mark in Jersey City New Jersey and they began praying for the ones who had carried out the attacks they said the sadness a lot of us feel, is more for the terrorists and for their perishing souls. We don't ask for vengeance. We pray that the blinds be taken off their eyes so that they can see again. And then on Easter Sunday, 2017, you may remember this name, Robert Goodwin Sr., who had grown up in Alabama and moved to Detroit, was planning a trip back to Alabama to be with his mother on Mother's Day. On Easter Sunday, He was killed in a senseless murder that the killer, Steve Stevens, recorded on Facebook. Robert was the father of ten, and he was soon to become a grandfather. An important time in his life, Stevens showed no remorse for the killing and said he was going out with the intention of killing others. The Goodwin family chose to offer forgiveness to this man, to Stevens. Robert's daughter, Tanya, said, The thing that I would take away most from my father... It's what he had taught us about God, how to fear God, how to love God, and how to forgive. And each one of us forgives this killer. I can't imagine. What would we do? One of the most influential Supreme Court decisions was in 1857 in our American history when Dred Scott versus Sanford ruled that a man that a black man could not ever be a free man or become a U.S. citizen. And it energized the abolition movement and contributed to the election of Abraham Lincoln as president. In March of 2017, Charles Taney III, the great-great-great-nephew of Justice Rogers, Roger B. Taney, I'm sorry, who authored the Dred Scott decision, met with Lynn Jackson. She was the great-great-great-granddaughter of Dred Scott and they met in front of the Maryland State House and Justice Taney's statue. It was 160 years later, but Charles Taney III made an apology and asked for forgiveness. There is no statue of limitation on forgiveness. 1999. Kenneth Williams escaped from prison while serving a life sentence for murder. He then killed Michael Greenwood and another man. Williams was recaptured, imprisoned, and executed in Arkansas in April of 2017. Michael Greenwood's 22 year old daughter, Kayla, discovered that Kenneth, the man, the murderer, had a daughter, Jasmine, in Washington State. And he had not seen her in 17 years and he had not met his granddaughter. Kayla brought plane tickets for Kenneth's daughter and granddaughter, flew them to Little Rock the day before Kenneth's execution so he could visit with them. The young mothers met at the airport and embraced. In Kayla's words to Jasmine were, we forgive him. Forgiveness does not Change the past. But it does change the future. Someone has said forgiveness is not a case of holy amnesia that wipes out the past. Instead it is the experience of healing that drains the poison from the wound. And I love that. I'm going to try to hold on to that thought. How many folk do we know who are walking around with poison in their systems? Jesus not only taught forgiveness, he lived it. On the cross, he looked at the people who had beaten him and nailed him to a cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe there's somebody we need to call to visit, to write, and offer forgiveness. Forgiven people are forgiving people. Maybe we need to check our forgiveness Do we really, really believe in the forgiveness of sins? Amen.